Okay. Good morning, afternoon, evening to everybody. Uh, it's good to see you here again. Um, I just wanted to make a couple announcements. First of all, um, sponsorship opportunities are always available for this class. If that's something that would interest you or you know someone that would be interested in sponsoring, um, you can always email me at clear as, as mud blogger at gmail.com um, or get a hold of me on Instagram. That's fine as well, but clear as mud blogger at gmail.com. And I also wanted to remind you that all of these episodes are on podcast form on Schmoozy um, with the points to ponder written out and on video form um, on YouTube. So whatever is more convenient, it is there and ready. How did I get that name clear as mud? It's the name of my blog. Um, and I took a long time to kind of come up with a name that just felt right. And to me, like life feels that way. Life feels like it's clear as mud. <laughs> so that's how I got the name. Okay, so um, we are on chapter 10. We are going to be doing chapters 10 and 11 together. Um, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Um, before we go into chapters 10 and 11, let's review quickly um, what we spoke about last week. If we were to um, put a title for chapter nine, what would it be? And when I looked over the chapter, I think one of the best, like the, the best way to describe that chapter would be um, small city, right? Like, remember what we talked about, right? We talked about that who's, who's, our, who, who's the small city? We are, right? Our body. Our body is the small city. What's happening in the small city? There are two kings that are fighting for complete control. What are the two thing? What are the two kings refer, like connected to, referred to as um, the the godly soul and the animal soul? The godly soul and the animal soul are each fighting for complete control over our body, right? So that is literally what we spoke about last week in a nutshell. D discussing the, the, this war that the godly soul and the animal soul has to um, control how we act, behave, think, feel, right? And each one of these souls can't have partial control. They want all control. Um, I mean, they could have it. That's what happens a lot. They have partial control, but what they each strive for is complete control. Now, all of this, all of this, the concept that we spoke about was all in theory, right? So what's going to happen now in, in this chapter is that we are now going to figure out what this means practically and what it means for the different types of characters we have. Um, in the world. And if you remember in chapter one, we named the different categories of people, right? We said there are Sadik, Russia, and Benoni, right? We have Sadik, someone who's perfect on the inside and perfect on the outside, which, which is what we're going to be discussing more in depth this right now. We have Russia, which 
What does Russia mean? It doesn't mean evil. It just means he doesn't have um, complete control over himself, right? Um, and Benoni, which is the person who has perfect actions, but not perfect insides. So he has perfect outsides, but not perfect insides. What, what is this book? What is Tanya? What's the goal of Tanya? Is our goal to become a tzaddik? No, right? Our goal, we are striving Bainanis. Our goal is to become a Bainani. Um, so that's why chapter 10 is going to talk about the tzaddik. Chapter 11 is going to talk about the Russia. We don't spend a lot of time on it because that's not really relevant. This book, another name for this book is Sefer Habenonim. It's the, in, the book of intermediaries. This is what we're focusing on. So we need to understand the concept of tzaddik and Russia, but we're not spending a ton of time with them. Even the Tanya only spends two short chapters on each of these categories. The rest of the Tanya is for Benoni. So we are going to take this class, this lesson, to understand the um, the what's the word I'm looking for the what the constitution of a tzaddik and what makes a Russia, and then we can focus on our path, which is the striving Benoni. Okay, so it, do you remember? I think it was the I don't remember if it was like the first class or the second class. Um, we we kind of gave a funny example of like, how do you know if you're a tzaddik or a Russia or, but how do you know if you're, maybe you are a tzaddik, how do you know if you're not a tzaddik, right? And the example we gave was, if you take one day and act on every single impulse, right? And the only thing that comes out is godliness, then you're a tzaddik. Because a tzaddik doesn't have to have impulse control. The, the first thing that comes to his mind, the first thing that he thinks, the first thing, the only thing that he comprehends is godliness. So if he would act on every single impulse, only godliness would come out. So that's like the tzaddik test. Um, I definitely would come nowhere near passing that test. So, um, and most of us wouldn't because the Tanya tells us that the tzaddik is something that is unique and not very common. Right, so that's why we aren't we aren't getting distracted too much by this concept of perfect, perfect insides and perfect outsides, but we are understanding um, what it is because which we'll learn it gives us some context. Okay, so um, what does it mean to have perfect insides and perfect outsides? What are the insides and what are the outsides? So to go back to a couple chapters that we've learned is. Remember, we learned of the 10 powers of the soul, right? Kochos, the 10 powers of the soul. That's the inside. That is the, the potential for expression, okay? So when we see that tzaddik has perfect insides, it's referring to these 10 powers that, the, that a person has is only godly and is perfect. Perfect outside refers to if you remember, we spoke about the three garments of the soul, right? What are the three garments of the soul? Action, speech, and thought. That's outsides. So when we say that a tzaddik has perfect insides and perfect outsides, it means his insides are perfect, his 10 powers are perfect, which automatically means his, ten, his, three, his, his expression, his action, his speech, his thoughts are also perfect, right? It's, it's, it's an extension of of the power. So if your if your insides are perfect, 
you obviously are going to have perfect outsides. It doesn't work the other way around, right? You can have perfect outsides, like we know the Benini does, doesn't mean his insides are perfect. But a tzaddik, obviously, because he has perfect insides, his outsides are also perfect, okay? Now, there are there is a little bit of a nuance in the um, tzaddik. So what we're going to learn is that the tzaddik has two levels, okay? The tzaddik has perfect insides, perfect outsides, but there's two levels within a tzaddik. What are they called? We have a complete tzaddik and an incomplete tzaddik, okay? What does it mean, a complete tzaddik and an incomplete tzaddik, okay? The lower, and there's, there's actually, I want to tell you that there's two ways to refer to the, to the two levels of tzaddikim. There's the complete tzaddik and the incomplete tzaddik, which is in Hebrew, tzaddik gamor and tzaddik she'eno gamor. And then it's also referred to as tzaddik viralo and tzaddik vitovlo. Tzaddik viralo means that it's a tzaddik that has a little vestige of evil left inside of him. Remember, how does what does Tanya translate evil as? Bad? Not necessarily, just what? Um, unsurrendered, not surrendered, right? Remember we talked about you're either surrendering to God or you're not surrendering to God. Your actions are either surrendered or unsurrendered. The, any object in the world is either surrendered or unsurrendered, right? So the tzaddik viralo, the tzaddik that has bad, quote unquote, just means he has a tiny little vestige left within him that is not completely surrendered to God. Okay, so and then we have tzaddik vitovlo, which means there's not, there's no vestige, there's nothing left. What does that mean? Okay, um, and uh, this is what we're gonna understand the subtlety difference between these two tzaddikim. The lower level tzaddik has a little smidge of self left inside of him. What does that mean? His yetzer hara, his evil inclination also can be referred to as his animal soul, right? We talked about the little bit of a, the difference between the evil inclination and the animal soul, but they're kind of interchangeable. Today, we're going to talk about it as the evil inclination, the Yetzir Hara. Ha, he, it's still there. But how? Because we already know that the tzaddik's insides are perfect. So it's not causing him to have negative impulses. It's not bothering him. It's not really affecting him in any way. So what does it mean when we say he has a little bit of the Yitzhar left inside of him? What it means is that it's there, but it's completely nullified. And in practical terms, it's sleeping. Okay? The Yitzhar still is in, in him, but it's completely sleeping. It's not, and when, when somebody is sleeping or when something is sleeping, right? This is all metaphorical. Um, it doesn't bother you, right? It's just, it doesn't, it's not poking you. It's not prodding you. It's not trying to get you to do something negative. It's not like talking in your ear, right? It's, it's, it feels like it's not there because it has zero effect or, um, you know, hold on you. It, it doesn't, it's, it's like, it doesn't exist. So the tzaddik still this lower level tzaddik, the tzaddik that has a little bit of the Yetzirah left within him still has perfect insides and perfect outsides, but it's not, his Yetzirah was not transformed or eradicated. It's just sleeping. Okay, you're with me on this? 
Okay. Um, now, how is the complete tzaddik? How, so what's the difference between a complete tzaddik? A complete tzaddik is um, it's very, very subtle difference, okay? Um, the complete tzaddik, what did we say last week? We said the, the, the godly soul has its ultimate dream. What's the ultimate dream of the godly soul? Is that it completely transforms the Yetzahara into an ally, into a double godly soul, right? So this is where the complete tzaddik comes in. The Yetzahara doesn't exist. Because why? And this is, I want you to understand, it's not that it, it doesn't exist. Like it, the Yetzahara can't just not exist. Either it has a tiny little bit left and it's sleeping or it's transformed into another Yetzir Tov, another positive inclination. So it doesn't just disappear into thin air. There's no such thing as zero Yetzahara and it doesn't, it goes nowhere. The power of the Yetzahara, the power of this evil inclination is transformed to the godly soul. And now the godly soul has double power. Okay. So what is, so do you understand what's the subtle difference here? The only difference between a complete tzaddik and an incomplete tzaddik is that the Yetzirah is completely transformed into the godly soul. In the incomplete tzaddik, it's sleeping. In the complete tzaddik, the tzaddik has double power. Subtle difference, but actually quite powerful if you think about it, right? It's like having no one bother you and it not being a hindrance to like having another cheerleader, right? Two cheerleaders instead of one, like extra power. So it is a subtle difference. From the outside, you would never be able to tell. Why? Because us humans could only see action right? We can only see action. We, we don't under, we don't see inside of somebody's soul. That's only God can do that. And, and another thing that's really important to understand is we are not here to understand the different levels of people to, to all of a sudden be a judge and jury, right? Like, oh, you're, you're, you know, like this is not what this is for. This is for our self evaluation. So we can know where we're holding, where we're standing. So we know what to work on. But there's no way a, a, a human eye can tell the difference between an incomplete tzaddik and a complete tzaddik. And furthermore, um, the, there is a question here in the chat, how, what's, how's the incomplete tzaddik different from a Benoni? Guess what? In action, at looking at a person, you would not be able to tell. You would, uh, we as humans would not be able to tell the difference between a Benoni and a tzaddik. Why not? Put it in the chat box, open your mic. Why wouldn't you be able to tell the difference between a Benini and a Tzaddik? Because both act perfectly. Right, because both have perfect actions and perfect and action is the only thing that we can see. So we as humans will, can never know whether there's a difference between a Benini and a Tzaddik. Only God can know that because that's an inner thing. But if you wanna know what is the actual difference, the actual difference is that the Benoni is still having a huge, massive struggle. He's still having um, unsurrendered um, impulses, 
right? It's still, it's still a struggle, right? He still has to um, be really vigilant. He always wins. The godly soul always wins, but it's not, his impulses are not always pure. That tzaddik doesn't have negative impulses. So that's the difference between a benoni and a tzaddik. And then, and then there's further differences between the two tzaddikim. Now, um, the, so basically the complete tzaddik is the godly soul's fantasy coming to, to coming to fruition, right? What's the godly soul's fantasy? That the godly soul has complete control. Not only does it have complete control, it doesn't have any negative impulses. It's not only that, it's completely transformed its Yetzir Hara as an ally, as another asset, right? That's the godly soul's dream and fantasy. Very rarely does it actually happen, right? Because only specific people and souls are destined for that path. But when it does happen, it's like the ultimate dream of the godly soul is coming to coming to true. Okay. So um, another term for a complete tzaddik, we're adding a third term because it helps us describe and understand the complete tzaddik a little better is from the Zohar, it's called B'nai Aliyah, the man of ascent. Okay, why? Because um, that level of tzaddik can transform darkness into light and bitterness into sweet. And that's like the man, it's like the man of ascent. He's the one that can transform not only himself, right? He's transforming his inner self his inner Yetzir Hara, he's transforming, but he's also transforming the world around him, okay? So he is, his focus is um, transformation. Whatever comes his way, it's gonna be transformed, okay? So um, there's a subtle difference because um, the incomplete Sadik. Um, still, because he still has that little bit of vestige of self inside of him, he cannot be as completely selfless as the complete tzaddik. Okay, there's a couple questions. I'm going to take a pause. Yes. So, but the person themselves will know. The idea is for all of us to become Bani, like to move from Russia to become a Bani. Yes. We know where we're holding because we have a clear um, definition of what each character, which each personality is, we know for ourselves where we stand, which um, has two purposes that we're going to talk about in a little, in a few minutes, why that's important for us to know where we stand. Like, who cares? But there, but there's a purpose to this. Um, okay. Can you review all three words for tzaddik? Yes. Okay. I feel like I should have, I make a chart somehow. Let me think of how I can do that. But, okay, we have English, okay? Write this down. Complete tzaddik, incomplete tzaddik, okay? Two terms for either one, and then three terms for the complete tzaddik. So incomplete tzaddik. Tzaddik she'eno gamor. Not complete, right? Tzaddik gamor complete. 
And then we have the, the other way to say the incomplete tzaddik is the tzaddik that tzaddik viralo, tzaddik that has a little bit of evil left in him, the vestige of self, right? We have tzaddik vitovlo, completely positive, completely good, okay? The third word for the complete tzaddik is b'nei aliyah, the man of, the man of ascent, because this specific category, this specific tzaddik can transform himself and the world around him, okay? Because there is, um, as opposed to what, right? Like this man, the tzaddik gamar can transform the world around him as opposed to what? As opposed to being spiritual because he has us to quench his own spiritual thirst, right? There is this people act holy most of the time because it feels good and it quenches our spiritual thirst. This is a very high level. This is a good thing, right? To quench your spiritual thirst is a good thing, but the, there's a subtlety in that is that, that we still are, we're still serving ourselves. Okay. There's still self-involved. The Tzadik Gamor has no self. His God's desire is his desire. It's one and the same. So when a Tzadik behaves in a certain way, and when he's transforming himself in the world, why does he do it? He does it because God wants it. Not because it feels good to him, not because it's quenching his own spiritual thirst, simply because it's God's desire. Now we may say, it's completely altruistic, okay? There's no ulterior motives involved in a complete tzaddik service. Now, you might ask, well, why, why does God want this? Like, why? First of all, what is God's desire and why does he want it? Now, I want to tell you that we're going to get into that so deeply in like the end of, in the late 30s and early 40s chapter, okay? So we're not going to get into it too much right now. I'm going to foreshadow a little bit because it's important for us to know, but know that this is a huge concept that we're going to talk about so much more in the future if you hang out with me for that long. Um, so what's God's desire? What is God's ultimate desire? If you were to like say the one thing that God wants and everything is leading up to that, what, what would it be? God's desire is to make a dwelling place for himself in this world, a place where he feels comfortable being himself. That's God's desire. How we do that, that's what this whole book is all about. The whole book, the whole Tanya is helping us fulfill that, right? Fulfill the desire of Hashem to make a dwelling place for him in this world. Now, why does God want that? Who cares? We don't know. Because you know why? Because we don't ask questions on a desire. Did you ever ask a question on a craving? If you're craving, you know, some, you know, pickles and ice cream, if you're pregnant or some random craving, do you ever ask why do I crave this? It's irrelevant. Does it matter why you're craving it? You don't ask questions on a craving. You don't ask questions on a desire. 
A desire is an expression of your innermost will and wants. Okay, we're using food as an example, which is are not our innermost will, but it's a it's a it's a good way of understanding. Like we don't act, like if you say, oh my gosh, I'm craving something, your friend or your spouse or your 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 anyone you're with is not going to say, why are you craving that? There's no logical answer to that question, right? It's just because that's what you want. It's your innermost desire at that moment. So we can, we can rationalize and we can come up with a hundred reasons why God wants to dwell in this world, right? But they're not really relevant because what, when we are in tune and understand God's desire, what are we coming in? What are we connecting with? God's innermost will. What is, that is the deepest form of connecting with God. Like we said, when we were discussing the chapter on Torah is food, right? Why does that give us such a great connection? Because Torah is, is what is God's will. God's will is all, is, is, um, what's it called? Uh, like his will is Torah. He tells us what he wants to do, what he wants us to do in the Torah. So when we're learning Torah, we're connecting with God's will, which is the highest form of connection, right? What we said, when you want to connect with someone, don't find out what they know. Don't find out what they're good at. Find out what they want. What do they desire? That's how you connect with someone, right? So the same thing with Hashem. We know that his ultimate desire is to have a dwelling place in this world. Why? We can rationalize that. We'll talk about all the different reasons why we will, we'll get there. But really bottom line is it doesn't matter. We don't ask questions on a desire. We just know that this is God's desire and we want to provide it. So a tzaddik's whole life is that. God's desire is his desire. There's no separation between his desire and God's desire. So he can live his life literally fulfilling God's will. Why? Because, because that's what God wants. Yeah, you're with me so far? Any questions? Okay. So um, now what? So basically, the incomplete Sadik is very, very close to this level. He can get there many, many times, but it's not his complete existence because he still has that little vestige of self left within him. So it doesn't allow him to be completely selfless. The complete tzaddik is this is his whole existence. He doesn't have another mode of operating. Okay. So Tanya is practical. Remember, we're, remember, we're so many reasons. There's so many reasons why people don't like to learn Tanya because it feels so out of touch. Right. And this is a chapter where I feel like we can get lost in this out of touch reality. Like, why are, why are we learning about the tzaddik? Why do we care? One of the reasons why the Altarebbe spends one chapter, guys, out of 53 chapters, one chapter is spent on the tzaddik, okay? He, so he gets it. He's like, we don't really have to understand this too much. But the reason why, one of the reasons, one of the reasons, there's a few. One of the reasons why we're spending some time is this because the Altarebbe wants us to know that each and every one of us is capable of having a tzaddik moment. What does that mean? Each and every, never mind a Bainani moment, right? We're going to talk about having Bainani moments when we talk about Bainani, but we're also capable of having a tzaddik moment. What does it mean to have a tzaddik moment? Is to have an, a moment or a, an experience that's completely selfless and just for God. 
we all have had those moments and we all will have those moments. So yes, we're not a tzaddik. We're not even an, we're not an incomplete tzaddik. We're not a complete tzaddik, but can we have a tzaddik moment? Yes. And when we do cherish it, like recognize it, like, wow, I just had a tzaddik moment. And that is, and we wouldn't know what a tzaddik moment was if we didn't understand what a tzaddik was. So by understanding what a tzaddik is and what his life looks like and what his whole life is consumed with, we can be, we can understand, well, like, wow, well, my whole life isn't consumed by that. I'm not a tzaddik, but I do have tzaddik moments. And those are very significant and very special. Okay. So, um, so basically it doesn't really matter practically what category of person we're in because we all have a range of experiences. Okay. So we all like example. Yes. Even a Benini moment, a mo moment of perfection. When we have a moment of perfect action, that's a Benini moment. You can have a Benini moment without being a full-time Benini, right? Like those that happens when we have a perfect when we do a mitzvah with, when we have a perfect actionable moment, that's a Benini moment. When we have a perfect selfless moment, right? It's even more intense than a Benini moment because the Benini moments only focus on the action. But what happens when our emotions are matching our actions, right? And, and, they, and they're congruent and they work together. That's a tzaddik moment, right? So does it, no matter what range of person we are, we have a range of experiences, and it's important for us to understand that because we're fluid, we're working on ourselves. The Altarba understands that. He knows he's not talking to a group of tzaddikim. This is not, this book would be irrelevant to a group of tzaddikim, right? The Altarba is spending his time and 54 chapters worth of information because he knows we're not perfect. He knows we're working, right? And he, and he, and he wants to encourage us in that experience and be like, you know what? Like we all have a range of experiences. We all have binary moments. We all have tzaddik moments. And we all are, we're all are hopefully, whoever's learning Tanya is obviously on this path of work, of service, and it's a journey. And the Altarab is taking us through it. Okay, so um, what is another um, good reason to understand what a tzaddik is? is okay so one reason was to help us recognize when we have a tzaddik moment and that's really encouraging and inspiring and on the flip side it also can give us a reality check sometimes we're, we can be like wow like i've got this i am rocking this godly thing i'm doing all the things right i feel really good about it and we can get complacent and we can like full sit, sit back and be like i got this i don't need to work hard anymore reality check, right? Like really is every single one of your impulses and things that you do godly, every single thing, right? So it helps us, the Tanya is all about encouraging us, but keeping us humble because the, and the biggest thing, right? Remember we learned what the ego was edging God out, right? Like, so the more self we have, the less room there is for God. Tanya, I don't want you to ever think that we get off easy, right? The Tanya holds us to a very high standards. It thinks that we're capable of a lot. 
So we're never going to get, we're not going to get the easy way out with Tanya. We're going to get really supported. We're going to get really encouraged. We're going to we're going to get tools, but we're never going to be, Tanya's never going to give you the easy way out. So when we're starting to feel complacent, the Tanya says, okay, reality check. Don't get too comfortable with yourself. There's always more work to do. There's always another level. There's always something that you can improve on. Okay. So that's the two reasons why, um, we want to learn about Sadiq. Actually, the third reason is um, it's um, to give us a, um, oh, what's it called? The, why am I blinking on this word? Someone help me. Like uh, the range of like, here's a Sadiq, here's a Russia, everything in between, right? It gives us Hello. like perspective Hi, on like the different so levels. Right? So the surgery idea got real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He like, but he also like, um, he's like, well, we're going to mute somebody. Um, okay. Um, so it gives us like the rate, like the, it's just a perspective, right? It, it helps us see like, what's the highest, what's the lowest. And we fall somewhere in between. Okay. Because now we're going to be moving on to chapter 11, which tells us about the Russia. And that, we're, that way we're gonna have like the balance between the worst scenario and we have the best scenario. And then we know we fall somewhere in between. Okay, so first of all, what's the definition of a Russia? Okay, before we move on to Russia, like scale. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> um, um, okay, what? Any questions about Atsadik before we move on to Russia? Okay, if something comes up, you let me know. What's the definition of a Russia? Is evil the right definition? No, right? Russia does not mean bad or evil. The definition of Russia is basically someone who sins. What does it mean someone who sins? Someone who doesn't have complete control. Okay, now you may ask, well, how often? Once in a lifetime, once an hour, once a month, once a year? Irrelevant. Another irrelevant point, right? It doesn't matter how often somebody sins because if they sin, that means they do not have complete control. They have control at times, right? But they don't have complete control, right? So for example, um, What's a, it's hard to kind of understand this in layman's terms, but an example would be like, oh, I'm a really, really good driver. I only fall asleep at the wheel once in a while, right? What the heck? Like, I don't, am I gonna trust to drive with you in the middle of the night? Like, no, 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 no. Usually I don't fall asleep, but once in a while I do. What does that mean? make you, it makes you a driver who sometimes falls asleep at the wheel, right? So that's just kind of like an example of like, okay, it doesn't matter. Even if you only fell asleep one time at the wheel, yes, it still happened. You don't have complete control. You can't say, you can't say that I've never fallen asleep at the wheel. You, you don't have that ability to say that, right? So um, that's, that's what we're saying with a, with a Russia. He can go years without sinning but he doesn't have complete control because he still has the ability to sin and he might just sin. If he gets tired enough, 
he will sin, right? If he gets tired enough, that person will fall asleep at the wheel. He doesn't have complete control. If the Russia is pestered enough, he might give in. Many times he won't, but he might, right? So that's what we mean when we say the Russia is somebody who doesn't have complete control. It doesn't matter how often, it just means that he is not somebody who can say, or we can look at as someone who has complete impulse control. Who has complete impulse control? The Benoni, right? That's what we're working towards. The Tzaddik, we know, we just learned about the Tzaddik. He's perfect all around, okay? We're, we're forgetting about him for now. Um, the Benoni has, this is what we're working towards. We are working towards complete impulse control, right? Not to not have the impulse, but not to act on the impulse, okay? Now, um, what was I going to say? The Russia, um, he, there's three facts that we need to know about the Russia that we have to debunk, like myths we have to debunk, right? Um, number one, Frequency is not relevant, okay? A lapse is a lapse. Number two, the severity of the sin doesn't matter, right? I only, I don't wanna give an example of like a not severe sin because like all sins are, like we're saying, all sins are really equal, but like you don't, like I only, it doesn't matter if you are transgressing Shabbos or you're, you know, not honoring your mother or father. like. It, it's a transgression, okay? So the severity of the transgression in your, because severity of transgression is only subjective. Objectively to God, it's all the same, right? Every mitzvah is equal, it's all the same. It's only subjectively we we categorize mitzvahs as more severe. So, so really severity has no um, play. Doesn't matter on the severity that you think the sin that you did. I only did it this little tiny sin. Doesn't matter, okay? And um, it doesn't matter which mode of expression you use to transgress the sin. So what are, our, what are our three modes of expression? Action, speech, and thought, right? So it doesn't matter. It's like, I only thought about, I only fantasized about the sin. That's still a, it's still a transgression because why? What did we learn about thought? Thought is still a behavior. What constitutes a behavior? Something that has an end and a beginning and that you can control. What did we learn about thoughts? Why do thoughts equal a behavior? Because we can control what we think about, right? We can control what we knock, what we open the door for. So the impulse, so let me just put this in terms that we're using this week. The impulse is the knock on the door, okay? That is something that a Russia and a Bani, even the Bani can't control. You can't control the knock on the door. What could we control if we open the door and we sit and we fantasize and we think about this transgression that we would love to do? Even if we don't do it, we are still not having control over, over our behavior, even if we just think about it, because we can control that. You're with me? Okay, it's a lot to take in. So the Russia doesn't have control all the time. 
Okay. So it doesn't matter how often he's sinning. It doesn't matter how severe the sin is. And it doesn't matter which mode of expression he's using. Even if you say, well, I was just thinking about it. Okay. I didn't even do it. I didn't even speak about it. I was just fantasizing about it. Thinking means an active thought, right? Not the impulse, but the actual invitation to really think about it. That is still falls under the category of not having behavioral control. Okay. So if now we know what the, this Russia, right? What category is, what does that show us? This Russia is a hugely broad category. You could have somebody who sins every single day or every sins on the hour, every hour, and someone who very, very rarely slips up. They are still in this Russia category. But remember, everything is equal, right? So just like there's two categories of Sadiq, there's two categories of Russia. We have a complete Russia and an incomplete Russia. So what we just spoke about was a incomplete Russia. What does it mean? He's not completely evil, right? So he, this range is who falls under this category of incomplete Russia? 99% of the world, okay? 99% of the human race falls under this category. Um, if all sins are transgressions and equal, why are some punishments in Torah different levels? It's a very, very good question. Um, let me get to it in a minute, okay? Let me just finish my thought. Um, the, okay, so the incomplete Russia, majority of the human race falls under that category. Teeny tiny percentage of people are tzaddikim. Teeny, teeny, tiny percentage of people, probably like even less, are complete Russias. What is a complete Russia? So we like, okay, so we, we know it doesn't matter how often they're sinning. We know it doesn't matter how the severity of the sin. We know it doesn't matter how they're sinning. So what's a complete Russia? What makes somebody a complete Russia? It's actually not about the sin at all that makes, that differentiates between a complete Russia and an incomplete Russia. It's about regret. A complete Russia has zero regret empathy, feeling of his transgression. So he will sin and he will not regret it. He will not repent. He is just, he has zero remorse inside of him. Okay. That is the, uh, the altar says this is almost like anecdotal. It's almost like to give us the context, right? The range, but very, 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 very minuscule amounts of people will actually fall into that category. If any, Okay, so the complete Russia is going to sin without regret, without remorse. The incomplete Russia goes through this vicious cycle, right? He goes through a sin. He feels bad. He repents. He doesn't feel bad enough not to do it again, right? That would kind of push him towards being a banani, right? Um, he is just, it's in the cycle of sin, repent, repeat. Sin, repent, repeat, right? We can relate to this. 99% um, of, and I don't know, I'm making up a percentage, but my feeling is that 99% of the people fall under this rush, incomplete Russia category. Very, 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 very few people are a tzaddik. Very, very, very few people, if any, are a complete Russia. We are all in this, most of us are in this category of intermittent behavioral control, right? We, we do have the ability to have behavioral control. We do have behavioral control, but it's just not all the time. And it ranges from person to circumstance to scenario. And 
again, the point of the Tanya is to take us on the path of aspiring Bainani. The more and more and more control we have, the more impulse control we can deploy, the closer we are to that journey. Okay. Now, to answer that question of why do some mitzvahs have different punishments, um, I actually really don't have a good answer to that question. My my assumption is, and I will ask, and I will get back to you. Um, maybe I'll answer the question on Shmuzi. Okay, so you go check it out. Um, but my my um, excuse me. I don't know if anyone else experiences this, but it doesn't matter if I put my phone or computer on do not disturb, it still disturbs. I, I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't work. Um, but when like the three mitzvahs that are that you have to give your life for, right? Which is avodazara, which is idol worship. Um, what's it called? Gila Arias, which is like, you know, inappropriate relationship and um, murder, right? Like those are the, the shvicha and murder. Those are the things that we have to give our life for. I think because those are so foundational, um, like you can't be, if you're serving idols, you can't be on the path, right? You can't take somebody else's life, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like these are so foundational to being a Jew that you have to give your life for it or else you can't be a Jew, right? Um, and I think other mitzvahs have like different rewards and punishments. First of all, in Tanya and the Hasidus, we really don't focus, we're gonna get into that actually in a couple chapters. We don't focus on reward and punishment because really that's not the point. What's our goal? Remember, what's our goal here? It's to create a dwelling place for God. So reward and punishment really, it's like a very Christian thing to focus on reward and punishment and afterlife and this life. Like we don't even talk about, remember we, we barely spoke about Gehenim, hell, right? Cause we're not focused on that kind of stuff. We're focused on our actions, how, how we can make this world a better place. So yes, there is, don't quote me and say, there's no such thing as reward and punishment. Yes, there is, there is reward and punishment. It's just not a huge focus. And so um, Chazadis doesn't really talk a lot about it, but I do, Feel like it's a very good question to ask why certain things are have more severe consequences and as i'm speaking i think because if you view them as not reward and punishments but as natural consequences it makes sense because different actions even though they can be um they're all equally important they have different reactions right so if you're doing whatever you're transgressing is the punishment is usually the natural consequence that that transgression affects in the world or in you. So I think I'm answering the question, right? Because forget about reward and punishment, but each, each thing, each action we have has either a positive outcome or a negative outcome. And each um, mitzvah or transgression that we do affects the world differently. So I wouldn't categorize this as better or worse or severe, more severe, just what happens naturally when we do this transgression? What happens naturally when we fulfill this mitzvah? Does that make sense? I will get a more like rabbinic answer for you guys, but that's my answer. Um, okay. Just to clarify, this is how we are born into the world though, right? Hashem decides Rasha or Tzadik. Yes. And if you work enough, you can become a Bainani. Bainanis are not predetermined. Okay. Yeah. I, I really like that, that clarification. 
I, I don't want to say that it's, it's never happened that a per that a, that a soul that was not, didn't, that didn't come here with a tzaddik soul became a tzaddik. I'm, I think that could happen extremely rarely, but most tzaddikim in the world came down here with the tzaddik soul, right? Like Moshe Rabbeinu, he was born and the whole house is filled with light, right? He came down here with a tzaddik soul. So I think that the people who become tzaddikim have that predetermined, predestined soul to get there. Um, and most of our souls come down with the ability and the opportunity to become a Bainani. So we're born with a very neutral, like, right, like blank slate. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with it? Right? You can either stay a Russia on the myriads of categories that that provides, or you can become a Bainani. But a Bainani, you're not, a Bainani soul is not necessarily born that way. So what you're saying is correct. A, a Bainani soul is something that you work, any soul can become a Bainani to simplify. Any single soul has the potential to become a Bainani. Some people have it easier than others. And we're going to get to that when we talk about Bainani chapter 12 starts us on the Bainani path, right? It's getting more and more practical. So we're going to discuss like some people have it easier, right? And what, and well, and actually, what does that mean? Easier or maybe not easier. Okay. There's always oh, all, it's all relative. Okay. So, um, if, so th that's the tzaddik, okay? A complete tzaddik sins, no remorse, okay? Um, an incomplete tzaddik, most of the world, we go through this cycle of sin, repent, repeat, because we do sin, we don't have complete behavior control, but we do regret, we do have remorse, we want to be close to God, and we're on this path, okay? Does that make sense? If I were to summarize briefly, we're running a little bit late, but if I were to summarize briefly, what did we just learn in two chapters? We learned chapter 10, tzaddik, two types of tzaddik, incomplete, complete. What's the difference between a complete, incomplete, and complete tzaddik? Incomplete tzaddik has a vestige of self inside of him. The complete tzaddik has transformed his yetzahara, his evil inclination, to another godly ally, okay? Double power. That is the difference between the two tzaddikim. What's the difference between uh, Russia, two types? We just said incomplete, complete, remorse or no remorse in like three words. Okay. Any questions before we do a quick meditation? Okay. Again, why are we, why did we spend a whole class on this? Because we need to have context, number one. We need to understand the scale of humans, right? We need to understand that we can have Benoni and Tzaddik moments, right? Because we are a, the human race that has a range of experiences. And we also need to sometimes put ourselves in our place, right? Don't get too cocky. Like we, you know, hang in there. We're not perfect. Um, and that is why though, we're only spending one class on defining Tzaddik and Russia, one class out of all the classes. And now we're going to move on to the more practical um, aspect of Tanya, which is understanding the Bainani, which is very, very re relevant to us. Okay, the next chapter, next week, we're going to do chapter 12. Okay, just one chapter. Okay, so huh, take a deep breath.
close your eyes. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Follow the natural rhythm of your breath. Don't force anything. Don't try to change anything. Just go with it. Okay, I'm gonna try something a little different this week. I want you to imagine to visualize your body being filled with this sparkling, bright, warm light. And imagine this light being poured into you and filling up from your feet to your legs, to your torso, chest, and head. Just visualize this complete immersion in this bright, warm light. As you visualize this, um, how does it feel? And just observe. There's no such thing as a wrong feeling. Bring your attention to these few points to ponder. A complete tzaddik worships only for Hashem's sake, i.e. he manifests God's presence in this world. He has no ulterior motives, completely altruistic, completely selfless to God. We can all have selfless moments. Sit with that for a minute. We all have the ability to have a tzaddik moment and that's very powerful. Someone that sins once a year or once a minute have something in common. What is that? They don't have complete control over their behaviors. Those are really the things that I want you to go home thinking about. So slowly bring your attention back to your breath, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Sometimes it helps to focus, to help focus on your breath. You can have an even count of your inhale and your exhale, four counts in, four counts out, helps you really regulate and focus on your breath if it's hard for you to do that. Start to become more aware of any sensations around you, smells, sounds, feelings.
And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Okay, my friends, we are done for the week. Thank you for being here. Um, remember, any questions you can always um, submit to Schmoozy. The podcast will be up and the YouTube video recording will be up later today. Okay. Um, and any questions before we go? All right. Um, we will see you next week. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Oh no. <laughs> Sending love. <laughs>